similarities between the Holy Spirit and the dove. Our key scripture is from Matthew chapter 3 verse 16. It is the account where Jesus is about to, to begin his earthly ministry at age 30. Not that he had to be baptized, but he got baptized, want to fulfill all righteousness and to set an example. I want you to know that the, the baptism of Jesus is critical to understanding the meaning of baptism. Baptism, the purpose of baptism is not to get you saved. You don't get baptized to get saved. You get baptized because you're saved. Jesus did not get baptized so he could become. Jesus got baptized because he was. And so when we get baptized, we get baptized not to become Christians. We are Christians and that is why we baptize. Amen? Alright. So baptism is not for the purpose of salvation. Salvation is simple. If you confess with your mouth... That Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. When you have received that life. As a public demonstration of the love you have in your heart for God, you enter the waters of baptism. So Jesus was about to start his ministry. And if you go by record, he didn't get baptized until he was 30 years old. Alright? Jesus did. Jesus prepared for 30 years to do three years of ministry. Alright? Uh, some of us, we, 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 we prepare for three years. And want to do 30 years of ministry. Wrong formula. Alright, for every year of ministry, you need 10 years of preparation. If you go by the calculation of Jesus' time. Right? Um, so this is the account in Matthew 3 verse 16. And so we're going to read that. Um, we're going to pray. We're going to get into this. I won't be long. I'll be finishing very soon. Um, so you, you need not worry. We'll be out of here in no time. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me and lift your Bibles up. You can tell by the clock that it's over. It's saying zero, 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 zero. So time is already up, so you don't have to worry. We are not guided by time. We are guided by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come on, lift your Bibles up. Declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus name. 
Amen. Let me read for you as you remain standing. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Let me just say this right here. The scripture said he saw the Spirit of God. What did he see? Descending like a dove. Alright, so I just wanted to help you. I know you have seen some pictures with an actual dove on Jesus' shoulder. The Bible did not say that there was a dove on Jesus' shoulder. Alright? The, the important thing is not the dove. It is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, like a dove. Now many people tell you that it was an actual dove. But there's no account that said there was a dove. From the scholars and theologians. Alright? Not that there's any problem if a dove were there. But don't buy the picture. Because a dove is not the Holy Spirit. I, I used to have many doves at home. And trust me. <laughs> they are not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen? So the Holy Spirit is not a dove. Are we okay right there? Alright. Well, blessed. I wanted to get that. So it, he, he saw. He didn't see a dove. He saw the Spirit of God. Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus this morning that you'd open our eyes to see your truth. Open our ears to hear your voice. Open our minds to understand your word and our hearts to receive everything that you have in store for us. Lord, we decrease today that you would increase in our midst. We know at this time the enemy of our soul will seek to bring confusion, will seek to bring a perplexity of mind. He will seek to bring conflict in our hearts so we will not hear and understand and receive your revelation. But in the name of Jesus, we put a block around our ear gate, eye gate, heart gate, to stop every enemy plan in the name of Jesus. This is your moment. We are your people, the sheep of your pastures. And as young Samuel was instructed by Eli, we here this morning say, Speak, Lord, for we, your servant, hear. And may we be more than mere heroes, God. May we be doers also of your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Uh, one need not be a bird scientist to discern the fact that God's holy word attaches a lot of importance to a dove. Almost 50 times there is a mention of dove in the scripture. More than any of any other avian creature. The dove is used 
um, extensively in the scriptures. As early as in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, we see a symbolism which would create in one's mind eye a picture of a dove hovering over the waters. Why even the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus at the time of his baptism in the form of a dove, according to Matthew 3, verse 6. So in this sermon, my intention is to train our spotlight on the holy similarities between a dove and the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, taking these similarities and attributes and applying them to our lives. The truth is, church is, is not for information only. Church is for transformation. So if we leave church without having principles, truths, commands that we can apply to our lives, then church is pointless. When we come into the fellowship, we ought to walk away with, with instructions that help us to love God more and love people more. It must be applicable to our daily life. That's what Jesus did. Jesus took the very complicated things of scriptures and he brought them down in such a way that the farmer could apply it, the accountant could apply it, the doctor could apply it. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whoever you are, you could take the truths that Jesus taught, the principles, and apply them to your life. That's what church ought to be about. Amen? So at this stage, we, we would be well served to ask ourselves a question. Are these traits, are these attributes found in me? So as we go through, I want you to ask yourself, um, when we look at the similarities, are these attributes found in my life? Does this characterize my life? And, and here's why, for in a Christian in whom the Spirit of Christ resides, if you're a Christian, the Spirit of Christ resides in you. In fact, Romans 8, 9 says it this way, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Now, this scripture, especially, I don't know about the rest of the world, but in Jamaica, this scripture always caused problems in Jamaica. And I'm going to tell you why. You, some of you already know. Let me, so, to tell you why, I have to ask you a couple of questions. The first question is, where does Jesus live? Uh, amen. Jesus lives in our heart by the Holy Spirit. If you're a child of God, Jesus lives in you by the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Alright? So Jesus lives in you by the Holy Spirit. So if you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit in you. It means if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, meaning that if you are not saved, then he is not, you're not his. However, in our context, people say, okay, if you have the Spirit in you, speak in tongues. They will, the next question they'll ask in Jamaica is, do you speak in tongues? And you say, no. And they will say to you, oh, so you don't have the Holy Spirit. Oh, so that means you're not saved. Because Romans 8 verse 9 says, and they quote the scripture, and take it out of context. 
Do you know that speaking in the Holy Spirit is different from having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God in you because of salvation? Two different things. If you never... Listen. uh, There's no record of Jesus speaking in tongues. So next time they ask you that, they said, All right, show me where Jesus spoke in tongues. Because I'm not following... The ter- church doctrine, I'm following Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, don't stone me. <laughs> right? Just going by the Bible. So, today I want to speak about these attributes of the spirit filled believers because these qualities ought to be as naturally found like water in a surging river so let's begin a dove is a pure bird and so the purity of the dove teaches us that the spirit filled believer lives in purity you ought to be as pure as a dove now I'm learning about birds, right? Like, uh, 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 let's, let's, again, in a Jamaican context, we have ground dove, turtle dove, pea dove, ball dove, bobble, bobble dove. I, I, I'm telling you, all, all kind of doves. But when the scripture speaks, it in, in reference to dove, is always the pure white dove. The dove that has no other color, no other spot but white. If you had, not, not you, but if the, if the bird had some other spot, it would not be called a dove. It's either a turtle dove, a bald dove, a pea dove, a ground dove, a, a blue dove, a pink. A, but there had to be some other name. But the dove that, the, that even the scripture references... In, 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 in Matthew 3.16 is pure. No other spot, no other blemish, no other color. Important to understand that as a spirit-filled believer, God expects purity. Let me say it again. Especially for females. I like telling them this. Listen. God is more concerned with your purity than your virginity. Because if you get married, it's going to be hard for you to keep your virginity. But you can still be pure. But when we are younger, people place emphasis on virginity at the expense of purity. Because you can be an impure virgin. Amen? And you can be a pure non-virgin. I don't know if you have something like that, but you understand what I mean. Because as a married person, you can be pure though you have had kids. Being that you have done the stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Because God is concerned with our purity. Our purity. So we need to look at that, right? Um, uh, you know that doves would not perch a light on anything unclean. Any carcass, it would, it, would, it would refuse it. The purity of the dove prevents the dove from landing, living, perching, visiting anything that is unclean. The, the dove cannot, a dove, a dove cannot, 
if a dove sees a dead, dead rat or mouse or in its coop, it's not coming on the ground. It, 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 it doesn't enjoy the space when there are dead things around. In fact, the dove is the only bird of the avian world permitted for sacrifice under the Old Testament. You never heard about as nice as sparrows are, there was nothing, you couldn't sacrifice a sparrow, you couldn't sacrifice a raven, you couldn't sacrifice an owl, an ostrich. You could, the only bird that could be sacrificed under the Old Testament dispensation was a dove. Leviticus 1, 14 to 17 says this, And if the burnt sacrifice of his offering to the Lord is of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or young pigeons. The priest shall bring it to the altar, wring off its head, and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out at the side of the altar, and he shall remove its crop with its feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east side into the place for the ashes. Then, this, then he shall split it at its wings, but shall not divide it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar on the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. The purity of the bird allowed it to be sacrificed, which is very symbolic of what Jesus Christ would do for us. That Jesus Christ, being the pure, the spotless Lamb of God, would one day be sacrificed on our behalf. Speaking again to the importance of purity. Leviticus 12, 8 says, And if she's not able to bring a lamb, alright, this is important. So there were people in the society who could not afford or did not have some of the animals necessary for certain sacrifices under the Old Testament law. So if you never had a lamb, if you couldn't afford certain things, here's what. The simplest thing in that time to get would be a dove. And that is showing how inclusive the plan of God has always been for all of mankind. Whether you're rich, you're poor, that there is a sacrifice that was made for you. A pure sacrifice was made in Jesus Christ. So in other words, it covers all. The sacrifice of Jesus covers those who can and those who cannot. In other words, no matter how rich you are or how pure you are, his sacrifice is sufficient. It says, then she may bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a burnt offering, the other as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for her and she will be clean. Then if you also remember, there was an account where Moses sent out, sorry, Noah sent out a dove to check on the receding waters of the flood. The dove came back to him without landing on the defiled carrion. You remember the story, right? Now, it, it took me studying birds and doves to understand this. That there was place for the bird to land. The bird could have stayed, but the bird came back, the dove came back. Do you know at the same time he sent out a raven? And the raven didn't come back. Have you ever thought about that? So if you look at the story, you'll think like the waters had not receded enough for the bird to land. But it receded enough for the raven to land. So why didn't the dove find a landing place. I think you figured it out by now. Right? 
the dove found a landing place. Well, didn't find a landing place because, listen, remember the natural nature of the dove is not to land on anything dead. All the dead carcasses said to the dove, the dove know by nature that this is not the place for me to stay. I'm going back to the ark. So the dove goes back to the ark. On the other hand, the raven did not have a natural revulsion of anything unclean. So it did not come back. Instead, without any doubt, it feasted on the floating carcasses. So the raven landed because it don't matter if things are dirty or not. The pure dove says, listen, my, my very nature says I can't be here. That's how Christians ought to be. Because the Holy Spirit is in me, there are certain places that I can't be. It, it, it's just uncomfortable being here. Listen, I need to go back to a different place. I need to go back to the presence because the ark is also a representation of, God, of the presence of God. And so listen, I'd rather be in the ark than to live among the carcasses. Uh, let me break that down for you in a very simple way. It's in your notes. If we have been cleansed by the atoning blood of Christ, if the Holy Ghost is a holy and permanent guest in our lives, then naturally we will become allergic to what we were addicted to. And what we were addicted to is sin. We, listen, when the Holy Spirit lives in you, when you are living in purity, you will become allergic. To sin that you were once addicted to. And that is why when you get saved, when we get saved, the scripture says, I'm a new creature. All things have passed. All things have become new. I no longer have a certain desire for certain things. It just turns me off. I'm allergic to it. And any of you have any allergies? I mean, some people are just allergic to um, strong cologne, some are allergic to, I mean, people, some are allergic to cats, and some are allergic to, to dogs, and I mean, most ladies are allergic to lizards, uh, lizards, right, you know, I mean, they have, they have an allergy, I mean, it don't matter, the lizard egg, they're allergic to everything, they're allergic to L, in, in total, right, but, but, I mean, all of these allergies, and what happens, it, it triggers off a very bad response. Whenever you go around that thing that you're allergic to, it, 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 you begin to feel sick. It begins to bother you internally. That's the same. Listen, that's the same thing that ought to happen when we get around sin. So that is why the dove couldn't land. Listen, it just, it just, this is not, this is not for me. This is not the place. Listen, the ark is the place. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. It doesn't smell right. In the same way, we get to the place where we are so allergic to sin. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. It just, this is not the place for me to perch. On the other hand, we would become addicted to holiness. What we were allergic to. And in the context of birds, it's almost like, listen, you were once a raven... And you, had an, you were allergic to holiness and addicted to sin. But now you're a dove, you're allergic to sin and addicted to holiness. That is, 
the transformation. That is the transformation. Come on, lift your hand and say, I am a dove, not a raven. Secondly, the avian scientists say that doves are also strictly monomagos. You know how hard I tried to pronounce this word? I went to Google, I played over and over and I repeated it. I had the church help me in the first service and I come here in the second service and I get it wrong. Come on, help me again. After three, let's say it together. One, two, three. Huh? Huh? Uh, all right, I, I get uh, All right, right? Simply put, doves have one mate for life. It, in fact, the idea in Genesis about that do it, do us part, it is best exemplified by doves. Once a dove chooses a mate, they say that they make until death do us part, sacred vow. And it comes into effect immediately. And I'm thinking, wow. Listen, they'll say that you have many doves in a coop. And, and once they have found their mate in that coop, they stick to their mate. And only mate with their mate forever in that coop. It simply means that it don't matter if a fatter dove comes on, a younger dove comes on, Slimmer dove comes on, a whiter dove comes on, a brighter dove comes, it doesn't matter. They stick to their dove. Come on, just 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 tell the person about it. It says stick to your dove. <laughs> uh, if you don't if you don't have a dove, just just go and stick until your dove until your dove comes. Yeah. They stick to their dove. They don't move away. They don't. They, they don't. I mean, I find this amazing. Because other animals are different. This, this is why this symbolizes the Holy Spirit so much. You check dogs. People take dogs around to mate with other dogs. If you take a dove out of his coop and say, go and mate, they're not going to do it. Like, like it, it amazes me how scripture is real and relevant to our times. So that is why the one man, one wife principle set in motion in the Garden of Eden, according to Genesis 2, 21 to 24, encapsulated sexual purity. God's original design was for one man to one woman for a lifetime. Let me say that again. It's one man to one woman for one life. Meaning, if you started at six, it's the same person when you're 96. In, in this thing that God is and there is no upgrade, right? <laughs> You just stick to the plan. I know you're probably sitting there. Well, pastor, woe is me. 
But don't worry, help is coming, help is coming, help is coming. No, I, I know you're saying that oh, this is impossible. Do you know if the birds can do it? We can do it too. Come on, just say that with me. If the birds can do it, I can do it. Subsequent to the fall, operated sadly only in fits and starts in the Old Testament era. Isaac and Rebecca were honorable exceptions. Hi, Isaac. <laughs> See, you know that Isaac and Isaac and Rebecca lived by this principle: one man to one wife for all your life. But here is how we normally interpret scripture. We find scripture that applies to the problem we are having. And we create those examples as the ones to live by. So when we are doing wrong, you know who we look to? Well, look at Solomon. You remember that Jesus talked about the prostitute that had many wives? We never go to Isaac. I've never heard people talk about marital relationship and speak about Isaac and Rebecca. They speak about David and Bathsheba. <laughs> Just saying. Solomon is not the standard. David is not the standard. You know who the standard is? Adam and Eve. That's where it began. That's where it was established, and they are the standard. Adam and Eve. Amen? Amen? It is only in the New Testament. In fact, let me, let me just give you this. Uh, the, in fact, David and Solomon, all of these Old Testament guys could come up and say, well, you know what? You New Testament believers, you have help. We didn't. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. David could say, I didn't have that. What do you expect of me? I'm little David, king, with all of these beautiful ladies, without the help of the Holy Spirit living in me. Solomon could say the same, but we can't. Because as New Testament believers, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost fell. Therefore, we now have the Holy Spirit living in us. And the Holy Spirit came to restore Purity in relationship. So in Matthew 19, 8 to 11, Jesus said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So, People get divorced and remarry. Listen, God loves you still. God loves you still. God don't hate you. God not going to kill you. But here's the thing. God's original plan has not changed. Which is one man to one woman for all your life. That has not changed. 
God still forgives and still shows mercy, but it still remains the same. So in the early church, the apostles followed suit, adhering to the master's command while teaching on the subject of marital fidelity. 1 Corinthians 7, 10 to 11 says, Now to the married I command you, yet not I but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. First Timothy 3 verse 2. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife. That David is not the standard. I like, I like this Timothy run, right? Because for those of us who like to use Solomon, there's no concubine. It's just a one wife. How true then? In the heart of holy marriage lies the holiness of the heart. Made holy by the Holy Spirit. Listen. To have a holy marriage, you need to be made holy by the Holy Spirit. To live in purity, you need the Holy Spirit. So while on the subject, not only marriage, let it be said at this juncture that nothing of what Jesus preached in that famous Sermon on the Mount can ever be practiced without the empowerment of the indwelling Holy Spirit. The truth is that the only way we can live in this kind of purity is by the indwelling and empowerment empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I said it again. I don't have any ability to be faithful. And my wife don't. If it's not for the Holy Spirit, we couldn't. The only reason why we can remain... Listen, being unfaithful is not... Alright, let, let me help you. Let me help you. When the scriptures speak about backsliding, remember when you sin... It's like a, you have left Christ, your bride, your groom. You, are, you have left him. The church is the bride, and he's the bridegroom, right? So if the church goes away, it is backsliding. If you leave. All right? So do you know you can, you can leave w- without being physically interactive with someone? Because the scripture speaks in Proverbs about backsliding in the heart. So before people, watch this, before people become unfaithful in a sexual sense, in a physical sexual sense, most times, emotionally, they have checked out. Alright, a person don't jump from in love to sleeping with somebody else. A lot of times, they have emotionally checked out of the relationship. The ability to not check out, we don't have. That ability comes with the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be faithful. Without the Holy Spirit, this is almost impossible to do. We need the empowerment and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God to be able to live in purity. Single and married. In fact, John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Watch this. For without me, you can do nothing. We can't do it. I can't do this on my own. You can't do it on your own. James 4, 5 to 6 says this. Do you think the holy writings mean nothing when they said, this is the new, um, new life version. The Holy Spirit whom God has given to live in us Listen to this. The Holy Spirit whom God has given to live in us has a strong desire for us to be faithful to Him. The Holy Spirit wants us to be faithful to God. But He gives us more love and favor for the Holy Writing says, God works against the proud but gives love and favor to those who have no pride. God resists the proud. But give grace to the humble. That's what this, in, in the next translation it says. Simply put, when you are humble before God, the Holy Spirit gives you the grace you need to be faithful. To walk and live in purity. So Christian, Christianity can never become our responsibility. Till, until we acknowledge that it is primarily our faith Filled response to his ability. It's not my responsibility. It's how I respond to the ability of the Holy Spirit in me. That's how I've been able to do this. Man, I'm telling you, sometimes I want to do some things that I should not want to do. But the Holy Spirit gives me the ability to respond to him, the Holy Spirit, instead of responding to the flesh. Secondly, the affability of a dove, meaning the warmth of the dove, encourage the spirit-filled believer to be warm and friendly. If, you're, if, you're, if you are a, a child of God, you're spirit-filled, you're going to be friendly. You're going to be warm. People are going to want to be around you. If you find that nobody wants to be around you, check what spirit is inside of you. I'm telling you, if nobody wants... listen. You have to be friendly. I don't know. Listen, there's nothing called a sour Christian. You have to be friendly. Listen, we have to be listen, we have to be better in the world. People should want listen, at the office, they should want to have lunch with you. Like like, they shouldn't have to wonder, uh, can I, can I, can I, I wonder if I could ask to borrow her pen. You, you know, in Jamaica, we have a thing that says, the bitter like gall. Right? Like, like I mean, um, they, they said doves have no gall, which is no bitter gall. Alright? Doves don't have that. So, so there's no, which means that, there is no bitterness at all in doves. Without the bitter gall, you can't get bitter. And so therefore, a dove it cannot get bitter. Because the gall is the source behind contention and a bitter spirit. In the same way as children of God, guess what? We cannot be contentious and have a bitter spirit. 
I'm t- this, this is amazing. It's one of, the, one of the features of the dove. It has no bitter gall. It has no bit, um, bitter gall? No. Gall, gallbladder. Gall, it's gallbladder, right? Yeah, it's called gallbladder. What am I talking about bitter gall? They have no gallbladder. Because if you have gallbladder, you have some bitterness, man. So the dove, because the dove doesn't have the gallbladder, the dove cannot be bitter. Simply put, come on, just put your hand on your chest and say, as a child of God, full of the Holy Spirit, I cannot be bitter. Uh, maybe you want to change and say, I should not be bitter. <laughs> and we should not be contentious. We, we should get along with people, find a way to be at peace with all men. So as day follows night, it follows that in the absence of gall, this bird is uniquely gentle. We must be gentle people. Matthew 10 verse 16 in the message translation says, stay alert. This is hazardous work. I'm assigning you. You are going to be like sheep running through a wolf pack. So don't call attention to yourselves. Be as shrewd as a snake. I love this part. I love this part. Like this is this is the key. This is the this is the home run. This is the this is the, the shot, you know, the Michael Jordan at the end of the game. This is the final penalty in sudden death. This is it. Inoffensive. This is a home run. Inoffensive as a dove. I didn't even know that there was a word called inoffensive. Inoffensive as a dove. Nothing offends a dove. If, listen. The dove to its own harm will be friendly to its enemy. It's amazing how they are. If a cat goes around the dove, the dove becomes friendly. You know the cat is not there to make friend. But by nature, the dove don't see enemy. The dove sees someone like, listen, I can win you over. I can bring you into gentleness. Listen, in, as believers, we must be as inoffensive as a dove. Many of you even got offended at least ten times already. Coming up the stairs offended you. Why do they have so many stairs to come up to this church? I'm tired of it. Why are we still wearing masks? <laughs> oh, and then the songs, my God, couldn't have their church. What about the hymns? Oh, oh my Lord, I don't even know these songs. Then look at the pastor's pants. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. We, we get offended over everything. Everything. 
And it creates, when you get offended that easily, it causes contention and bitterness. A person who is easily offended is easily bitter. So listen, I've made up my mind. You can't offend me. Listen, I'm not going to allow you to offend me. Because the moment you start offending me, I'm allowing you to push me into bitterness. And bitter roots produces bitter fruits. And man, I don't want to be bitter. Listen, the doves are so... Doves, they they don't fight over food. You look at crows and other birds, do you see them fighting over food? Doves don't fight over food. They will eat and leave and not fight the other doves. They try to make sure that everybody is taken care of. Because they don't look out for their own benefit. These are birds. This is a bird. This, this is a bird we are talking about. This is not a human. And this, this is an example for us to look at and say, listen, but this is how I ought to be. You see, it's not, it's not the fruit of the Spirit among us. As I think, gentleness. Aren't we supposed to be gentle according to Galatians 5.23? You see, if the Holy Spirit is indwelling us, then it follows that we will be gentle men to the core. If the Holy Spirit is indwelling us, then it follows that we will be gentlemen to the core. Doves are so gentle and so friendly. I'm going to tell you this, right? So um, my brother, used, he, he left a lot of doves before he migrated and he gave them to me. But they were having, I had so many doves and then some, some rodent got in and, and you know, it off all the doves. It, it, it's very hard when you have pets that you could eat. You never eat them and then a rodent eat them. You feel bad and then you can't eat the rodent. You know what I mean? You kind of feel bad like all the feeding that you have purchased, all the care that you have given, gone to a rodent. If you could just only eat the rodent, then you probably, that would make a day, but it doesn't work. Well, understand this. So they, 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 they ate off all the doves. And I always wondered why I had so many doves in a coop. And one rodent gets in and eat like all the doves. I'm thinking like, come on. It's, they're more for you than they're against you. It's a rodent. All of you could attack that little creature and get rid of him. Don't, don't fight. If, 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 like, it's amazing. In other words, the dove, they say, don't try to even defend itself if it figures in defending itself it's going to harm the other person. Yeah, that's why Jesus said, listen, if I wanted to, I could call legions of angels to defend me. When Peter tried to fight and cut off the high priest's ears, he took it out and said, hey, Peter, what are you doing? Don't do that. Put it back on. I'm, I'm telling you. Leave all vengeance to God. The battle is not yours, it is the Lord. You don't have to fight. God is fighting for.
for you. Amen? In fact, I believe that our evangelistic efforts, um, some Christians start to become too aggressive, um, would be marked not by any holier than thou behavior, but by a gentle and an affable spirit. I think sometimes even how we share the gospel, it's like, like we're not gentle. Like, like, hey, let me tell you about hell. You think you won't go to hell? You see them worms down to hell? You see the heat down to hell? Listen, hey, listen, listen. Maybe there's a place for that. But I don't want to preach and tell people where not to go. I want to preach and tell people a good place that they can go. I want to tell them where the fun is at. Hey, come on. Let me. People want to hear where the fun is at. And the fun is in heaven. You understand me? Begin to point people to Jesus. Don't just show them what hell looks like. Point them to Jesus. Be gentle. Listen, you don't have to be aggressive. Listen, we don't want giving a life to the Lord. We don't look up it. We don't serve God. No, we're not weird, what, what, what are you waiting on? Eh? From your 16, may I serve God? You're a big old 20 year old and you don't give your life to the Lord yet. Eh? You want to go and romp with God. <laughs> like, Jesus didn't scare people into the kingdom, He loved them into it. Amen. He loved them into the kingdom. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I like what Jesus, Jesus, like, like, like when John the Baptist was saying, Repent, you all serpents, you who told you to flee. Show works that you're really serious about God. Uh, Jesus' first sermon was so different from John the Baptist. He said, and when he was set, he went up into the mountain and he taught them saying, blessed. He started out, his first sermon started out with blessed are you. John's sermon said, repent. <laughs> you know that Jesus had more followers than John. That's a good example of what you ought to preach. Anyway, well, let's, let's move on. Um, doves are bird of community. And so the spirit-filled believer dwells in happy fellowship and unity. Happy fellowship, happy fellowship and unity. And so birds, they, 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 they live together in this peace and harmony. They say, unlike other birds, when there are other birds who have conflicts, you know. And so they may be perching in a particular tree. And they have a little argument. Maybe this family, this, 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 you know, this side of the, the bird family get upset with this side of the bird family and they have to leave the tree. Not the church, but, you know, the tree. So this family decides, listen, we're not staying in this tree. We're leaving. And they go to an, With birds, with doves, they're not leaving. They stay in the same place. There's no conflict between them. They resolve everything and they always live at peace. They find a way to live in fellowship and unity. We, because where gentleness pervades happiness 
and fellowship are near. If we want to have good fellowship, we have to be gentle people. The early church, in fact, swayed by the Holy Spirit, was known for the frequency of its prior meeting, fostering happy fellowship. And so Acts 2 says, 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. When we have good fellowship, we have healthy prayer meeting, and more people get engaged, and the church begins to grow. People love good, healthy fellowship. People run to where there is unity and oneness of heart. And that strive in a place where there is gentleness and warmth and friendliness and love. Doves are highly social birds. In fact, the scripture also points to the fact that doves live as a happy community together. So, we have a benediction um, from 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And in it we see the words fellowship and the Holy Spirit going together. It says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In other words, constant communion and frequent fellowshipping helps us grow in the Lord like the early church. There's nothing that will help you to grow than a place where people come together in constant fellowship, unity, and oneness of heart. And everybody finds a way of getting along, getting along and praising God with one voice. The church begins to grow. Every time the church has operated in strong unity, the church sees strong growth. The longer we stay divided is the slower the growth rate of the church is going to be. If we could just all be gentle. If the doves can forgive. Taking a little bit of feeding. That the other one wanted. How about us? That's the way of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Finally, as we close. The agility of the dove teaches the, the spirit-filled believers. That they, by the spirit, can escape and endure all harm and danger. There's something about the dove that um, if it is being attacked, it can probably evade by flying other birds. It's amazing how it operates. Right? In fact, the, the, the psalmist wished he had the wings of a dove to fly away speedily from all the dangers surrounding him. See that in Psalm 55 from verse 6 to 7. I know you think it's a song um, because you hear it. But it's actually taken from scripture. It says, Oh that I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. This was when the psalmist was going through a very difficult time. He felt like his life was under attack. He felt like he was in danger. Now, the, the principle or the truth from this is in the same way that the psalmist said this. It's really indicating to us that where the Spirit of the Lord fills your life, there is a way that God helps you to escape and endure all harm and danger. You see, ask any panting and puffing predator bird which has tried chasing a dove, and it would vouch for the latter's speed, for the speed of the dove. In fact, Avian scientists, they affirm that doves can touch a fantastic speed of 55 miles per hour in full flight. And so when I saw this, right, I mean, it amazed me because it says they can, they can, they, they can, um, 
they can touch up to 55 miles per hour. And then only to find out that Psalm 55 says, if I had the wings of a dove, I would fly. I'm saying that. I mean, it's, it's so amazing, right? And so the truth is, there is something about God and how it works. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. That, that God would cause you to speed up and you escape danger. He'll cause you to slow down and danger passes. Like, like when you're being led by the Spirit of the Lord. A spirit-filled believer is like that. You used to live somewhere. You used to work somewhere. And you used to work in the department. And as soon as you leave the department, you hear that they are under investigation because fraud is there. And you say, oh my God, I thank God for bringing me out of that place. It, it, the, the thing gets tarnished with something. Maybe you were, you were, you were living in a house and, and I mean, you moved out and only to hear that it burnt down. Maybe you, 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 I don't know if that will happen to you. you. You know, you were standing somewhere or you went to a particular shop and you you left and you heard that, you know, at that time, as soon as you left, somebody went in and broke that place and, and you escaped it. God has a way that by the Spirit, He causes us to just move some, some places not knowing until after the fact that we are being removed from harm and danger. That's how the Spirit-filled believer lived their life. By the prompting of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the early church on the move Always under the direction of the ever agile Holy Spirit would also vouch for the speed with which he led them from place to place. As the apostles and the early church were being pursued, people were looking to kill them, to, to all kind of things, to, 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 to crucify them. They would be in the city and then the Spirit says move. And the moment they move is when the soldiers would come there. That's how God wants to work in the life of the Spirit-filled believer. That when danger is lurking, God says move. And that is why Christians can't be lethargic. You have to be living and walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit. God, where do you want me to go? Spirit of the Lord, lead me. There's a voice behind it, the scripture says, that says this is the way, walk in it. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. I remember listening, when I lived in Kingston, one of, one of the phenomenon of buses in Kingston in that day was that they, especially there was a stretch of road, even though Kingston, between, between say, downtown Kingston and crossroads and crossroads to halfway three, halfway three. Here's what used to happen. If you're on one of those N-Cav or Tata buses, you're sure to find a pickpocket or two. Somewhere like Salpen Road, if you know what I'm talking about. And, and I'd oftentimes take a bus and then I'd come off in half a tree to meet by my friend. And they say, hey, you know that pickpocket was on the bus? You know how much people pocket get pick? And, and you didn't know that God caused you not to take that bus. Because your local pay would have been gone. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, listen, for the last couple of weeks, I asked my kids, they said, Daddy, every morning we are coming to church. Since the start of the year, we passed an accident. So there were five Sundays in January, and, and there are now four, nine Sundays in a row, we have passed an accident. Every Sunday. And they, they kept, last week they said the same thing. Another accident. This morning, another accident. I, I don't know. I don't know if, if I'd gone earlier or later, if it would have been me. I mean, one of the mornings, I mean, right at the stoplight, that new stoplight out by where the Starbucks and stuff is, two cars, the sun was shining so bright that you couldn't see the light. 
the stoplight. It was, it was shining so bright that you'd have to stop. You needed to stop and just check. A car coming from up the hill, one coming from that side. Right there, one guy run off. Listen, my wife just passed and I was just behind that car. So I was there when the person was coming out of the vehicle. And, and, and I think like, man, I don't know. Because I could have left my house just two minutes earlier and it could have been me. But that's how the Holy Spirit-filled believer lived their life. It happens like this that sometimes people say that, man, the line is so long. But when you get there for your appointment, you get through right away. Because somehow God causes things to be expedited so you don't have to wait. God has a way of speeding things up and slowing them down so we can avoid danger and harm. That's the life of the spirit-filled believer. Amen? Like I said earlier, but the key thing is that Jesus got baptized in our scripture. It's not so much about the dove that it, 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 it symbolized by the Holy Spirit. No, no, that's not that. It's about Jesus getting baptized. And here's what happened. Jesus didn't get baptized because he, he had to. He did it as an example for us to follow. The scripture said when he came up out of the water, the heavens opened. Do you want the heavens to be opened over your life? Listen, that's one of the steps. Receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and be bold enough to walk in the waters of baptism. In fact, when the heavens opened and like a dove, the Holy Spirit, he saw the Holy Spirit descending on him. He started his earthly ministry and Jesus accomplished in three years what many of us have not accomplished in all our lifetime on earth. There's something about the Holy Spirit working in our lives that causes us to do way more than we would do operating in our natural ability. So here's what I want to do this morning as we close. I want to pray for you. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm not doing this because I think you're going to be holy if your head is bowed and your eyes are closed. I'm doing this because I want you to think about what I said earlier, the question. Are these attributes in your life? Are you as pure as the dove? Are you a person of community? As the dove is agile, is your life being directed by the Lord? How warm and friendly you are. How gentle are you as a child of God? I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would empower us again would fill us with an endowment of power so that we will be able to live in purity to be people without any gallbladder without bitterness 
our contention, but that will be gentle people. That will be people of community, people who help to foster and engender unity and fellowship. That will be people who are directed and led by the Spirit of God, escaping and enduring the harms and the dangers of daily life. So if you're here this morning and say, Pastor, you know what? I, I know, I mean, I need to overcome. I need to win over impurity. I need to win over bitterness. I mean, I have struggled with this uh, fellowship and fostering unity thing. I need to win over this as well. I need, to, I, need, I need my life to be led and directed by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I choose my own way. And if you admit this morning that I know I need the Holy Spirit help. Apart from Him, we are nothing. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to jump to your feet. And I want to pray that the Spirit of God would fall on you this morning and empower you and enable you to be able to live in a God-pleasing and Spirit-filled way. As you stand to your feet, I'm going to ask you to just, just lift your hands. I mean, as a sign of surrender, just lift your hands wide open as if you're saying, God, just, just, just fill me. Fill me up, Lord God. And tell him, God, you're welcome here. You're welcome into my heart. You're welcome into my life. I need you, Holy Spirit. Fill me up to the overflow. when you just speak to him he says if your earthly father knows how to good, give good gifts how much more your heavenly father and he encourages us to ask for the Holy Spirit he says ask so if you need that is a lot I know I, I mean I, I have some struggles but I need your Holy Spirit power maybe you need it for your marriage Maybe you need it, because, need it because, you know, someone has hurt you and you have been bitter about it. And you need him to help you to forgive and remove the bitterness. He's able to this morning. You just ask him. I dare you to ask him this morning. welcome you Holy Spirit we welcome you we welcome you come like a flood and saturate us now Lord God Welcome here. Come on, just, just tell him that this morning. So Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome in my heart. I need you. Just tell him, say, Spirit of living God, I need you. I need more of you. I need an endowment of power. I need your help to overcome. I need your help to win. 
Hallelujah. Spirit of the living God, we thank you. Thank you for every person this morning standing with your hands lifted. Lifted, Lord God, as a sign of surrender. Just lifting your hands and just being an open vessel this morning. Acknowledging a desperate need for your Holy Spirit. Lord God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, we ask you to, Lord God, to come like a flood. Holy Spirit, rain down in the name of Jesus as you, you descended over the river Jordan at the baptism of Jesus. God, we ask that you descend. Lord God, that you'd fall on your people and fill them to the overflow in the name of Jesus. Give them the strength they need to live in purity. To be as pure as doves. Pure in thought and pure in, in their talk and pure in their walk in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, enable them in the name of Jesus. To be friendly people. Warm and gentle. That will value the relationship so much that even when they are right, they will apologize. That as much as it is up to them, they will begin to live in peace with all men. We pray in the name of Jesus that God, you would empower us to foster and engender unity and fellowship, harmony in our homes and harmony at the workplace and harmony at church in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus that they will hear the voice of the Lord speaking to them, directing them and leading them. I pray, Lord God, for hearts of obedience hearts of obedience that they will obey you Lord God and move when you say move and stay when you say stay that every step that they take will be ordered by you fill them to the overflow oh God Just begin to speak to him this morning and say, Lord, transform me, transform me. I'm going to invite our worship team to come and you just with your hands lifted this morning, just say, Lord, just fill me and transform me. Lord God, give, come on, come on, just say, say God, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. We thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, just tell him, just, 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 I don't know what ear in your life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your dream. Just a lot. I need you. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your Holy Spirit intervention in this area of my life. Just go ahead and tell him. Maybe you need to be consistent in your walk of faith. Just, just be open. Just tell him he's hearing you. His spirit is here.
generation is not about the amount of services we have it's really about how we live our lives that's the truth and as spirit-filled believers it's time for us to stop making the excuses and live holy lives before our God it's not too difficult it's not impossible and what God requires is purity that we must be as harmless as dove. And if, imagine if we were a gentle people. Imagine what our communities would be if we lived in purity. We were gentle, we were people of community and people led by the Holy Spirit. Imagine what your marriage would be like if you lived your marriage in purity, in gentleness towards your spouse always were sociable in your family and in your marriage and be led by the Holy Spirit. Imagine what your family would be like. So I challenge you this morning. You don't have to be like a dove. 
But you can look at the attributes of the dog and take those and apply them to your life and see the transformation. And trust God, trust God that if I begin to do this, then there is a reward. And that reward would be a Christ-like life. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the day. A wonderful rest of the week. Remember, the A's Men's and Women's Conference begins this evening at 7 p.m. at Galena Breeze. Um, I'll see you there if you're there. If not, I'll see you next week Sunday. Be blessed in Jesus' name.